Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Can we all say hallelujah to Jesus? Praise God. God bless you, sis. You're going to join me today. Praise God. You know, Jesus died 2,000 years ago, and he rose again so that we could say happy Resurrection Day. And we just want to thank everybody who's here today and everybody who's here on the Internet. This is our most wonderful day to celebrate Jesus. Amen? For all that he has done for us. And there's a verse in the Bible that reminds me of how we should react to what Jesus Christ has done for us on that cross. That he rose again after three days being dead. He rose again so that we could live a godly life. Not the life we used to live, but live according to the standards of his holy word. In Philippians 3, verse 7 to 11, and I lost my page here, so I'm going to try and remember it. Paul said, what things were gained to me, those I count as loss for Christ. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. And he said he has suffered the loss of all things. Can you say that? All things. And he says, I count them but dung that I might be in Christ, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable even to his death. Paul says, I'm ready to die for him. Nothing is more important to me than Jesus Christ, the one who died for me. I'm going to ask Elder Sharon if she will pray for us today. God is great. He is good. His goodness and mercy endure it forever. Oh, Lord. We come to you once again, Lord God. This should be a joyous and miraculous day because you've risen. You are not dead anymore. You have risen. Struggling with this, but you've risen. And Lord, it's that, with that hope this morning that I come to you because I know that you are God and that you alone are God. And Lord, as I speak to my brother all the time, I don't like the alternative, so I have to stick with you, Father God. No matter how rocky, no matter how rough the road gets, no matter how deep the ravine is, Father God, you alone are God and you alone are worthy. So, my brothers and sisters, I stand here with you this morning and ask you to trust God. Even in the deepest depths of your sorrows, trust him. Believe him. He promises that he'll never, ever leave us nor forsake us. He promised us that his grace is sufficient for us. No matter how deep the valley is, God promised that he'll walk us through. He says he'll be that footprint because he's carrying us. So my brothers and sisters this morning, I want you to give thanks. Not because you're feeling it, but because he deserves it. He is God. Him alone is worthy. Him alone is worthy to be praised. So my brothers and sisters this morning, I lift him up to you. I give him thanks. And I want the church to come together like the people that God has made us. Like the things that he asked us to do. He says, we're two or three are gathered, asking my name. We are the church. 
The church is not this building. This building can crumble, but we will still be here. We've seen it over and over in the Old Testament where the temple falls, but the Spirit of God still remained in us. We are the temple. So, Lord, just help us. Be merciful to us. Give us forgiveness. Father God, when we fall short, lift us up. Be the hand that take us out that myra pit, Lord God. Father God, we lift you up this morning. We give you thanks this morning, Lord God. And Father God, for the ones that are hurting, I ask you to give them your peace that surpasses all understanding. Your joy, Father God, that's unbelievable, Father God. Just give them that comfort that they need this day, Lord God. Because, Father God, you alone are God. And you alone deserve to be praised. So with that in mind, he is risen. So church, let's celebrate life today, Lord God. Let's celebrate him because him alone is God and he alone is worthy. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap, brothers and sisters. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Hey, CGC family, I'm Casey, and here's this week's news. Next Sunday, April 11th, our CGC Kids Ministry will be open again for ages infant through fourth grade. Little Lambs, infant through four years old, will have child care for the entire service. CGC Kids, kindergarten through fourth grade, will begin worship in the celebration room and will go directly to their activity when pastor's message begins. For more information, contact Tony Rayfield at trayfield at ctcde.church. Most of us have the opportunity to care for our clothing through washing to make it last a long time. When it gets worn out, we just replace it. Homeless men and women don't have that chance, especially when it comes to underwear. So our church is partnering with Sunday Breakfast Mission for Operation Carewear. Your gift of undergarments for men, women, and children of all sizes are needed to better serve those who come to the mission. We will be collecting these items now through the end of April. Our men's softball team is gearing up for another season. It's a great way to have fellowship and to get to know other men in the church. The team is open to guys age 15 and over. We ask that you attend a minimum of three services each month, in person or online, to be eligible. Games are two nights per week. If you are interested, call or text Jason Van Allen at 302-545-9742 or email him at cstonesoftball at gmail.com. For more information on these and other events, including how to sign up to get your COVID vaccine, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bayer Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church. Or if you are worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. Good morning, my brothers and sisters. God bless you. It's Resurrection Sunday. For that alone, we have to give God praise. Amen? Amen, because Christ is risen. He's risen, and what that means 
is that he has defeated the evil enemy, Satan. That means he has broken every chain. That means that salvation is his name. And that is something to celebrate. You know, Pastor Vaughn, he read Philippians chapter 3. And the Apostle Paul in that chapter was talking to a persecuted church. And they experienced joy even in the midst of their sorrow. Elder Sharon prayed about that. How do we experience joy in the midst of sorrow? And that's just by being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has the capacity to keep us tied into God so that no matter what we're going through, we feel joy in our valley moments because we know that the God of our salvation is alive and working in our lives. And that's something to celebrate. You know, we always want to stay connected with you through the body of Christ. So on your table, you will find a connect card. If you're seated in a chair, you'll find a connect card. And if you are in our online virtual congregation, there is a connect tab. Please fill that card out for every person at your table who are, or who is seated with you in the chairs next to you. Also, on the Connect card, you have the opportunity to list prayer concerns. Please list them, and I promise you that a team of people who will hold your prayer request in the highest confidence will make your request known to the Lord. There's also a prayer tab on the um, online. There's a tab. You may tap to list your prayer concerns. If you're new here, we welcome you. We heartily welcome you and so glad that you are here. After this service is over, if you're in the room, out, of, out the door and to the left is a welcome center. Please stop in. One of our pastoral care ministers will stop and greet you, give you a welcome gift, make you feel extremely welcome. And if you're new here and you're online, Please click the New Here button. We will reach out to you after this service is over to welcome you in a very special way. As we transition into a time of giving, giving is a testament of our stewardship or our faithfulness to Christ. And it is an opportunity for us to give back to the Lord a small portion of what he has given us. How many of you realize that everything we have is because God gave it to us? Right? So this is just an, ex- an opportunity to give back a small portion to him. Whatever God places on your heart to give, as long as you give cheerfully, God will honor it. So we ask that you give cheerfully and generously so that the work that this church does in our community are, is tangible and people will see the life-giving love that Jesus has for us. So if you would, please stand as we pray over the offering. Let us look to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. This is the happiest and holiest day of the year. 
by rising from the dead, Father God, you have shown us that our salvation is secured through eternity. And we can only scream praises of thanks for that. We love you, Lord. We worship and adore you. We ask, Father, that during this worship experience, our eyes and ears are opened to the love, the unfailing love that you have for us. We ask, Lord, that as we offer these gifts, that you bless the gift, that you bless the giver, Lord, that though pressed down, shaken together, and running over, that that gift does great things in this world and shines a light upon you and your good works. We ask, Lord, that you bless us and that you keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing as we continue in worship. Amen. Let's continue to worship him today. He's made us alive because he is alive, right? He's made us alive because he is alive, right? Amen. Come on, let's worship together. I was buried. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was mine too. Till I met you. Oh, come on now. I was breathing.
Something very significant happened on that day that Jesus died on the cross. Prior to that time, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and make sacrifice for people. But on that day that Jesus died, the veil in the temple was split top to bottom. And what that gave us is all of us access into the throne room of God. Are you grateful for that this morning? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. Jesus is in this room right now.
into the presence of God. We are so blessed to be here in the house of the God. I remember David said, the one thing I desire was to dwell in the place of the Lord. And we are here. We are blessed. We are honored. There's not a better place on earth for us to be. The veil has been ripped indeed. And a holy, our holy God awaits to hear from us in prayer. God is just waiting to hear us come to him. Paul said, come boldly before the throne of grace. And he said, you will obtain mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. Are we in need, brothers and sisters? I know I am. Praise God. Let's go before the Lord humbly, reverently, in prayer. Please bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you. We thank you for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus who has given us the victory by his death on the cross, the shedding of his blood, and then rising again as he did on resurrection day that we celebrate today. Oh, this should be one of the most joyful days in our lives because he lives because he lives. We can not only face tomorrow. We have a promise of tomorrow with him in eternity and with our precious loved ones. We're with him right now who went to sleep, as the Bible says, in the Lord. Thank you for that promise, dear God. It sustains us in amazing, wonderful ways. Lord, we love you. We're here to exalt you. You are the exalted God. We lift up the name of Jesus. We thank you for Jesus and all that he has done for us. Every wonderful privilege we have is because 
of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and rising again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places through his Son, Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we just want to tell you we're anxious to hear the word of God today. Jesus, the living word. We want to hear him as he is in the Bible. The word of God, the written word. And we thank you for Pastor Roger, our pastor, as he brings that word to us, as only he can uniquely do. We, we thank you for our pastor, dear God. We thank you for his, his precious wife, our first lady, Carolyn. We thank you for the love they bring to this church, the caring. We thank you for the wisdom and knowledge he has brought from all his studying and learning. We ask, dear God, that we open up the eyes of our heart, the windows of our understanding, pour in rhema knowledge. We need it, especially in these days, dear God. We need to know what's going on. You're talking to us, Lord. We need to know what it is you're saying clearly. Thank you once again, for we will hear about it today. What thus saith the Lord. We give you all the honor, dear God. We give you all the glory. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And church, would you join me in saying amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated. It's so wonderful to see all of you here this morning. Welcome online. Those of you who are joining us, we're glad that you're here on this Easter morning, this Resurrection Sunday. And uh, thank God that we're able to gather again in the house of the Lord on uh, Easter Sunday. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And thank God that those who are watching online, you, you're online and uh, you're in your house and the Lord is in your house Lord is in your heart. You are the place where the Lord is uh, dwelling right now. And we, we are, our hearts and our thoughts and our minds are joined together. And it is good to be here together in the house of the Lord. I want to begin this morning by reading from the book of Mark that story that brings us together on this day. And uh, I'm reading Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. And it's going to end in kind of a peculiar place. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. But let's listen to it, uh, to the story that we all have heard, but we need to hear it again. And this is the testimony. This is the witness. This is this is the eyewitness account of what they experienced. Brothers and sisters, men and women, just like you and me, you can pinch yourself. And if you were there that day, you could pinch those and they were just as real as you are. And they when they're asked a question to tell me about what what happened on that day, 
Just like when I ask you what happened yesterday, you're going to tell me the truth. Or you might make something up, but eventually I'm going to find out the truth. This is the witness of those who saw with their own eyes, they felt it with their own hands. This is what they experienced. It was Saturday evening when the Sabbath had ended. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went out to purchase some burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early the next morning, Sunday, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, who's going to roll away the stone for us at the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. Yeah, right. (laughs) You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He was crucified. He's not here. He is risen from the dead. And look, this is where his body lay. Now, go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. Now, the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Now, as that, as that testimony, as that witness was told, it was obviously it was told first orally, and then they began to write things down. And as it was written down, we actually have some of the earliest manuscripts of, of writing this story within the time that would have been during Jesus' life had Jesus lived. So these are testimonies from people who are actually there. They actually saw it. Some people question, well, this this was written so long ago, it can't can't be true. Somebody must have tweaked it and changed it. There is no other other, um, writing on earth that has been scrutinized as much as the Bible. And we we have thousands of little pieces of paper that have parts of this message on it. And the earliest ones stop at verse 8. And over the years, somebody came along. We we're not exactly sure who, but they added, added a couple of different endings. You can grab your Bible and read those different endings. But we're going to stop right here with verse 8, because this is the founding of what Jesus is doing in all of our lives. His resurrection gives us the power that we need to live life and to have life for all of eternity. And I've got a tough message for us this morning. Not necessarily just a a tough message, but a message for people who are willing to do the tough thing. And so I'm asking you, are you willing to do the difficult thing? Are you willing to do the tough thing? It is not easy to follow Jesus Christ. It's not easy. And Jesus never said, oh, you want an easy life? Come follow me. He said, come follow me and I will carry the weight of your life for you and the burden will be light for you. But it's still a burden. But it will be light. 
because Jesus is with us. And if you're here today or you're watching online and you're saying, I can't carry the weight of life. Let me ask you. Is Jesus with you? Are you with Jesus giving that weight to him? So that the burden is light. This is a tough thing for us. It requires an intellectual decision. I am going to follow Jesus. And if we don't make that decision, we're going to find ourselves in situations where we're absolutely not following Jesus because we've never decided to follow Jesus. We might think, it might be good for me to follow Jesus. Grandma wants me to follow Jesus. Mom or Dad want me to follow Jesus. But it doesn't matter. Will I follow Jesus? Will I follow Jesus? Will I act like Jesus acts? Will I trust Will I experience God the Father the way Jesus experiences God the Father? Will I follow Jesus? This is a tough thing. So today's message is only for people who are willing to do the tough thing. And even Jesus had said things and and had experiences when he said things. People said, I can't take that. And I'm out of here. And they walked away from Jesus. Jesus did not run after them. (laughs) it's your choice to follow Jesus. And if you choose not to follow Jesus, either by an intellectual decision or or an intentional decision, or if you choose not to follow Jesus just because, well, I'm going to decide someday, and so by default, you have decided already not to follow Jesus. He's not going to run after you. Eh. He will always be there, though, giving you His love and mercy and kindness. But the longer we refuse God, the easier it is for us to refuse God in our lives. Okay, I'm way off script. It's a tough message. We're talking about this this transformation from the inside out. We know that we need to be changed. And so we've been looking at Jesus' teaching called the Beatitudes from his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. So let's, let's go there and, and re- review a little bit what we've been talking about for the last several weeks as we've been leading up to this Sunday, to Easter Sunday. And so Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 3, and we're going to read all the way through verse 12, says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. And God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those, and this is our focus for today, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what is right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. 
And God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. That was a funny way to say that, wasn't it? Be happy about it! (laughs) This is your supper. Be thankful that you have some, said Dad or Mom or anybody. (laughs) Jesus says, be happy about it. That's a better way to say it. Be very glad because great, a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the very same way. All right, Larry, we can go back to that list. That I, I got Larry so confused um, online. He doesn't know w- w- which way I'm going. He's got all the slides there, but I'm just mixing them all up. So this is, this, these are the things that we've been talking about for the last several weeks. And there is a progression to these Beatitudes. It's, it's like a, a stair step. We're going to start with the foundation. And it says hunger. Oops. Wait a minute. Let me go to my notes. Realize. There we go, Larry. Realize our need for God. Transformation from the inside out as a process begins in this place. We've got to realize that we need God. And if we don't realize that we need God, we're not going to go on to the next step, on to the next level, which is to mourn our losses. And what happens when we realize our need for God, we realize what we've been missing and we go, oh, or some other kind of mournful expression. And that causes us to humble ourselves before God. And we hunger and thirst for a right relationship with God and with others. And these first four steps really are kind of an internal work that God is doing in us. And then it shifts from just working inside us to moving out, from the inside out. And so now we begin to show mercy to others. Others see that because of our need of God and our mournfulness and our seeking God, our humbling before God and seeking His righteousness, it changes us from the inside out. They start to see it. And we can show mercy because we have received mercy. Our hearts are purified. And people, the purity that we talked about that week had to do with with being clean, yes, but it also meant having integrity. We need integrity in our businesses. We need integrity in our marriages. If I'm not living a life of integrity, I am living a divided life. And some of us know what it's like to have one kind of a life over here and then try to live another life over here. And it eventually falls apart because we cannot live divided lives. We must live a life of integrity. That's what people see in us. This purity of heart. And we work for peace. Peace doesn't just happen. We work for it. And we're willing to do what it takes in order to bring peace in our marriages, peace in our families, peace in our communities, peace in the world. Because we're following these steps that Jesus lays out. And now we get to this one today, which is what? <laughs> Wait, these are all very nice things, God. Things that I want. I, 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 I want to realize my need for God. I, I, I benefit from that. I, I mourn my losses and I experience your comfort. I humble myself before you, God, and I see that, that your way is right for me. So I want to follow that and I want to show mercy to others. I want a clean heart. I want to work for peace in the world. But wait, Jesus, you're telling me this all leads to what? 
persecution. Why am I doing this? See, this is why I said this is a message just for the tough. Following Jesus is not easy. It requires a commitment. And it is going, but to what end? So that we can just suffer and die? I remember standing, I, 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 I had done some things and said some things, and it wasn't all my fault. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good disclaimer. You know, relationships always take two things. But, but I was in a church, and, and things, there, there was conflict. And there was a, everybody left church one day. It was a small country church in upstate New York. Everybody had left church that day, and one woman stayed back. And I remember I was greeting them on the, on the, uh, on the front steps of the church. There was a little porch there. It was a summer, warm day. And uh, everybody else had gone, and she comes out, and I knew that she was angry at me. And I figured that she was going to let me have it now. And I remember, obviously I can remember that vividly. This was 20, oh, 24 years ago, maybe 20, 22 years ago. And she let me have it. And she ranted and she ranted and she ranted. And I had to just take it because that's what you have to do at those times. You've got to take it. you just got to stand there and take it. It's not fair. It's not right. It doesn't feel good. But there are times we just got to take it. And she ended this way. And she was angry. She was furious. Get over it. Life's a bitch and then you die. That's what she said. A follower of Jesus to the pastor. No, that's not where it ends. That's not the end that Jesus has for us. Jesus has life for us. And life can be horrible. Life can be... uh, Do I dare say it again? But it's not. Jesus doesn't just lead us to persecution so that we can die and gone. It's not what this is for. Jesus is saying these steps are here for a blessing. These are the steps. You want to bless life? Follow these steps. But it leads to persecution. Jesus rode into Jerusalem the, the Sunday before he was killed. He rode into Jerusalem and they yelled, they, 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 they had a parade for him. They waved the palm branches and they shouted, Hosanna, which means save us. They were saying to him, you're the one that's going to fix everything in Israel. But by the end of the week, they were killing him. Are you courageous enough to follow that? But if you do, it will bring life here and now and the hope of eternal life forever. We will be persecuted, Jesus says, for doing what is right. And we know in our culture even today that not all of the laws that we have in our land are right and just. And there are, there are laws that were at one time put on the books and, and they might have made sense to some people at that time. But we realized later this is not right. And in order to make it right, we're going to have to break the law. And this nation is, has 
by its definition, the responsibility to hold us accountable to the laws that we break. And so if you break a law of the land, you better expect to pay the consequences for it. Even if what you're doing is right and the law is wrong, you will be persecuted and you will be prosecuted. And I think we as Christians have to make a conscious decision because I, we have been experiencing the blessing of living in a land in America where we have been able to practice freely our religion without persecution. But I believe that is possibly coming to an end. And I'm not making a political speech. I'm just stating a reality. And I'm warning us as followers of Jesus, we may have to make some very serious decisions about what it means to follow Jesus and how to live the way He wants us to live, even if it means we take persecution from others because of it. This is a tough thing for us to do. We will be persecuted for doing what is right. We will be mocked. We will be ridiculed. We will be scoffed at. We will be dismissed. On Friday, we had our crosswalk. And and a week ago Friday, a, a number of us, um, I, had, I had taken our neighborhood. This is what we did at the crosswalk. I had taken the neighborhood, Mansion Farms and the Colony, which is just north and to us and, and behind the campus. Uh, and I divided it into four sections. And I, I set out routes that would end up being about a mile and a half to walk. Each section, four sections, a mile and a half each. Each section beginning here at the church and each section landing here back here at the church. Mile and a half. But each group would have gone to different areas of the neighborhood. So the Friday before Good Friday, we went through those neighborhoods and we handed out little flyers, hanging them on doorknobs, and we put a little plastic bag with them. We scared somebody because we tied it because it was windy and we tied it on the doorknob and they thought they were getting robbed. And they called the church and said, I thought you were, getting, you were robbing me. Said, I'm sorry, we won't do that again. <laughs> so we, 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 gave, we, asked the, we put these flyers on the door, not just to say we're going to walk by, but to say we're, we're walking by on Good Friday and we're inviting you to make, make a, a donation of materials to an organization called Face the Facts Delaware. And it's a, it's a drug rehabilitation organization, helping people who are trying to get healed from the addiction of drugs. And what they were asking for were, were some very common things that people need, like slightly used. This is what the list said. Slightly used bras and panties. Okay, I have a hard time asking somebody for that. I have a hard time asking somebody for not slightly used bras and panties. But I, I said to the lady at the organization, you really want to? She said, we need those. People need these things. So facing ridicule. I asked people to give us their slightly used bras and panties. And I have to laugh at it because it makes me feel slightly awkward. But, you know, there was a group of us on Friday that went that we, we did what we said we were going to do because we want to be a church and people of integrity. And so 
we had our little crosses that we were carrying. We had a little sign that said, Christ the Cornerstone, and we walked through the neighborhoods. And you know what? I really was thinking, okay, who's looking out their window at me saying, here go those Christians again. What fools they are. What are they up to now? And they're mocking us. So as you came in this morning, uh, you came in the, the, the front, uh, the mall area, and over to your right, I don't know if you noticed it, but take notice of it on the way back. There's a pile of uh, plastic bags filled with slightly used bras and panties and socks, and some people couldn't give us their slightly used bras. And, I got Don't ever say that again, Pastor Roger. <laughs> some people went out and bought brand new stuff, put it in there. But thank you, God. For our neighbors in the mansion farms and the colony neighborhoods, for sharing and participating in ministry with us. That's working for peace. That's just one small, small way of working for peace and helping others. But we will be mocked. We will be lied about. There will be gossip that goes around about, about those who follow Jesus People will say horrible, evil things about us, slandering us. But Jesus says, be happy. Be happy? How happy are you when you hear that a friend, a person that you trusted has said something that you didn't want them to say? Or you discover that they, they, they said something awful, something horrible about you. Are you happy when you hear that? Absolutely not. Happiness, that what Jesus is saying again is... Make it a choice. And he doesn't even, in the original language, it doesn't even use the word happy. It uses a much stronger word, which is rejoice. And he doesn't use it just once. He says it twice. He uses synonyms to make the point. He says, be happy. Be very glad. Rejoice. When you are mocked, rejoice when you are persecuted, rejoice when somebody tells a lie about you for my sake. When you are serving me. Be happy, be very glad. And he also says, remember the ancient prophets. They experienced the same thing. I thought of that verse, remember the ancient prophets, and I remember that one of the stories, I think it's Luke. When Luke is telling, no, it's Matthew in chapter 27, Matthew chapter 27, telling the story of Jesus' death and his suffering, says that about the third hour, I think, it says, Jesus cried out. And I'm going to say this, I think it's in Aramaic, but I'm not sure I never learned how to say it properly, so it's going to sound something like this. Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani. And people heard that who were here. I mean, they didn't quite understand everything that he was saying. And they thought he was crying out to the prophet Elijah, who Jesus surely would have known and known about. And so Jesus, in his moment of need, is remembering the prophets and what God has done in our human history. In the past, I'm sure Jesus, as he was kneeling in the in the um, his Garden of Gethsemane, like what is this place that he was doing that? As Jesus was kneeling in the Garden of Gethsemane, I'm sure he was remembering Moses and Abraham and Elijah and Elisha 
and all the prophets who bring courage to him. And Jesus tells us to be happy. And we go to the Apostle Paul, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 through 10, we read these words about Paul's experience. Pastor Paul, the Apostle Paul. That's what happens when you live with a man so long. You lived with him longer than I did, but he gets stuck in you. <laughs> Pastor Paul, if you're watching, we love you. <laughs> and we miss you. The Apostle Paul experienced much persecution for the sake of Jesus Christ. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 through 10, we read these words about Paul's experience. Now, Paul was being persecuted. He was being ridiculed at this very time, and he was trying to defend himself, but he, he didn't want to make it about himself. He wanted to keep it about Jesus and so he had a, he had a vision experience that was very powerful in him. And this is what he talks about. That experience, he says, is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weakness. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I, do, I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So, in order to keep me from being proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, scholars have talked about this many, many times, read, wrote, written many articles, many books about what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. We don't know. We don't know if it was an actual physical thing. We don't know if it was an emotional thing. We don't know if it was just a spiritual thing. R r doesn't really matter. In order, the purpose is what matters here. In order to keep Paul from being proud, God afflicted him with something. To keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Oh, but God, take it away. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. But God, this hurts. Take it away. My grace is everything you need. My power works best in weakness. And so now, Paul says, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. That's why I can be happy in my failures. That's why I can be happy in the persecution. Because they look at me and they say, he's a weak leader. 
Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for making me human. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for causing me to be tired at times. Thank you, Jesus, for whatever it might be, for giving me this circumstance that I have to carry around with my life. It is my weakness so that you can be so that your strength can be evidenced in my life to others. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Now, many of us are suffering things, but not for Christ. Many of us find ourselves in situations where we suffer, and we did put ourselves there. And it was not for Christ's cause that we suffer. But Christ will also redeem those things. Because that was a weakness of you, to suffer for that thing, instead of doing the thing that God was asking you to do rightly. Jesus takes all of it. And then Paul concludes, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because when we are weak, Christ is, Christ is of able to come in us. And so Paul writes to another part of the church. In the Colossian church, he says in Colossians 1.27, he's talking about God, God giving to all people this power of Christ. God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. There are only two kinds of people in Paul's world, Jews and Gentiles. And so when he says for you Gentiles too, he means everybody else in the world. He says, for God wanted them to know the riches and glories of Christ also. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you Assurance of sharing His glory. Christ is not in us. We lose that assurance. We lose that assurance. The secret is this. Are you tough enough, brave enough, courageous enough to trust Jesus to be in you? That your weakness will be used by Him for His glory? Not just for your own. Not for somebody else's but for His glory. Do the hard thing. Rejoice. Rejoice exceedingly. Remember Jesus and all of the prophets. God is with us while we do the hard thing. We're going to take communion. If you're at home, I invite you to to gather some supplies to take communion together. Uh, and, and we'll consecrate it and we'll take communion together on your table or on your chair or near you is a, is a little cup with a, has a wafer on it. I invite you to take those. If there's, if, there's, if there's too many of you and you don't have enough, just reach and get some, one from an empty chair or something like that or an empty table. And as we receive this sacrament today, we're doing what Jesus did. We're doing what Paul said to do. Remember Remember what Jesus has done for us. So let's pray together as we receive this sacrament this morning. Jesus, we thank you for giving yourself to us. Um, By the way, I have gluten-free. 
communion here. Pastor Vaughn, I'll give the gluten-free to you. If, if you need gluten-free uh, wafer and juice, Pastor Vaughn has that. Just lift your hand and he'll come, he'll come around and, and give it to you. If you're at home and you need gluten-free, you know what to do. <laughs> Can't help you there. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we receive this this morning, we ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Come and be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we uh, take, uh, we take this, I want us to uh, say the Apostles' Creed together and pray the Lord's Prayer. They'll be on the screen, and if you're at home, you can, you can join with us. But let's, the, these are things that we remember. These are things that we believe. These are things that we confess. And so let's say these together. Let's say this. I believe in God the Father. You can stand if you want. <laughs> You're not sure what to do. Do I stand? Do I sit? You can stand if you want. Let's start again. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again, and then he ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And let's pray this prayer that the Lord taught us to pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. So let's take our bread, our little wafer. We remember that Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks to God. He gave it to his disciples and he, he, he broke it. And you can pinch it with your, between your fingers and your thumb and break it. And the breaking of the bread is the suffering that Jesus experienced for you and for me. And he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. So let's take and eat and let's give thanks. Thank you, Jesus. When the supper was over, he took the cup. And again, he gave thanks. He gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for you. This is the new covenant, the cup of new covenant, the new relationship that I have with you. Take and drink and be thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being with us today in this moment. We thank you for cleansing us. We thank you for the integrity that you give to us. Thank you for the power. Thank you for a mind that says, Lord, Lord, I know you're calling me to do the tough thing, and I didn't think I could do it. I don't want to do it. It's not the easy thing to do. I'm going to be ridiculed. I'm going to be laughed at. People won't understand. But, Jesus, I know it's right. I will follow you. Give me your power, Jesus, and live in me live in me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship and sing together. He is the Messiah. 